0: Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Well, Good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you to Grace Crossing Church. What a wonderful lead-in that song is this morning to the series that we're in here at Grace Crossing Church entitled 23 and Me. Now, for those that might be newcomers, uh, maybe joining us for the first time, or maybe you've been here before, but you haven't been with us for this series, I want to frame our series by reading to you the entire passage, six verses, of the psalm that we're focusing on here in this series, 23 and Me. It's taken from one of the most familiar passages, one of the most beloved passages in all of Scripture, Psalm 23. Um, And as I read it this morning, what I'd like to do, instead of putting the, the, the words of the psalm up here, I'd like you to look at one of my favorite images of a shepherd. It's the image of a shepherd who finds a wandering sheep, a sheep that is strayed from the fold and leaves the 99 and goes searching till he finds the one and lovingly carries him back to where he belongs or the helpless sheep that has become broken has become needy it simply finds itself so dependent on the shepherd that the shepherd picks up the sheep lays the sheep on its shoulders and carries it back the safety of the pasture. As you reflect and sit in silence this morning and quietness before God, looking at that image, let me read to you the words of Psalm 23, which is of the 150 Psalms by far the most intimate, the most personal. Listen to how the Lord specifically talks about the shepherd's love and care for you this morning. Hence our title, 23, and me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters he restores my soul he guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Everything in Psalm 23 rests on the first four words. The first five words, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. If, if we don't have that kind of relationship with God as our shepherd, the reality is you can take every other promise and every other benefit that we find in Psalm 23, and you're going to actually say, I cannot lay claim to those if I cannot first say, the Lord is my shepherd. You could actually read the psalm with those five words as introduction to every benefit and every promise that we find in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, he makes me lie down in green pastures. The Lord is my shepherd, he leads me beside quiet waters, and so on and so forth. The Lord is my shepherd, so when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. There is a sense of connectedness, of relationship, of intimacy in Psalm 23 that no other psalm gives us. It is an incredible picture that actually we find a parallel passage that's found in Ezekiel. It's a prophetic book in Ezekiel chapter 34. You can read, and we're not going to read this passage in its entirety, but we are going to look at several of these verses throughout this morning's talk. But in Ezekiel chapter 34, we have this parallel to what Psalm 23 talks about. It's this idea that God is the shepherd of his people, that God so loves his people that God is going to literally shepherd them. He's going to be their closest companion. He's going to be their caretaker. And that's the idea we get from the Lord being our shepherd. So Psalm, or Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 11 through 12, here's what Ezekiel received from the Lord. He said, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep, and I will look after them. As a shepherd looks after the scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them From all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. What I love is I love the imagery of this prophecy in Ezekiel chapter 34. Because there's no doubt in all of our lives that we experience times of clouds and darkness that make us feel distance from God, it makes us feel separated. Where is God? Is God near? Is God close? And yet the promise here is that the Lord will come, he'll shepherd us, but not just that, he will look after us, which is why the psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd, what more could I possibly want? I shall not want. I have everything I need, and I am fully content in my relationship with God. I said this last weekend, but... But it bears repeating this morning, our confidence in the character of the shepherd produces contentment in the sheep. Listen, our level of confidence in God as our shepherd is what will determine our level of contentment as we journey through life. So the first Sunday we focused on just five, ver- five words, the Lord is my shepherd. Last weekend... I shall not want. And this morning, we're going to give you a whole eight words out of Psalm uh, 23 to think about, to meditate on, and to focus on. But before we give you the words, let me give you today's big idea. For today's big idea, I want to leverage the words of a fourth-century theologian and philosopher by the name of Augustine of Hippo from North Africa, he is quoted as saying this, and I love this statement. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. Today's big idea is this: the shepherd invites me into his rest. The shepherd invites me into his rest. Twenty-three in me is all about the shepherd's. Intimate relationship with us as his sheep. And what the scripture promises is that one of the benefits that we can lay claim to is we can lay claim to the rest that God wants to provide us. The shepherd invites me into his rest. Here's what Psalm 23, verses 1, and then we'll add verse number 2 to this The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Sheep, by nature, are restless. Perhaps that's why, of any other animal or object, we are compared most to sheep in Scripture. Because like sheep, we too are restless. Our lives are filled much more with anxiety and worry than they are with quiet, trust, and peace. You know, we live in a world today where we've been promised for years that technology would make life less stressful that it would make us more productive, and by being more productive, we would actually have more time to relax, to rest. But how many of you have learned that it's done the exact opposite? It has not brought us rest. In fact, all it's done is ratcheted up the anxiety, the stress, the worry. Social media has a way of doing that to us as well. We find ourselves first thing in the morning picking up our mobile devices. We, we have them with us when we go to bed. And many times we pick up our phones and we're looking at them all the way into the evening when we should be disconnected. When our hearts should be at rest. And we don't just do this once in a while. We do it every day. We do it every day. Seven days a week. We are deeply bought in and connected to the philosophies and values of our world which make it harder and harder for our hearts to rest. And here's what I've learned in my life. It is virtually impossible to worry and rest at the same time. You can't do it. When your heart is filled with all sorts of anxieties and worries, you cannot simultaneously Be at peace and be at rest. Sheep are restless. We too are restless. And so what the Bible says is in Psalm 23 is that the Lord makes us lie down in green pastures. Now, let me take us back to Ezekiel 34 and verse number 15 which in the prophecy, here's what it says, I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. So this idea of being made to lie down or having to lie down is not found only once in Scripture. And there's something the Lord is trying to teach us here that's really, really important. It's really significant. Because what the Bible says is that he'll tend to us. It means he'll carefully watch over us. He will manage our lives if we'll allow him to in a way where he'll just make sure that every need is met but every want is satisfied. Now, what does the Lord and what did the psalmist have in mind when he made this statement that he makes me lie down. Well, here's what I want you to think of. The emphasis of that statement is not forcefulness, it is faithfulness. The emphasis of the statement is not that God is going to wrestle us to the ground against our will, although God sometimes does that. He certainly has in my life. But often God is not going to come and wrestle us to the ground against our will, but rather God says this. He says, I'm going to come and I'm going to make it possible for you to rest by dealing with the things that get in the way of your rest. The shepherd is not looking at trying to make sure that rest happens to the sheep. What the shepherd is doing is the shepherd is taking every obstacle and everything that's getting in the way of what they've naturally been designed to do, and the shepherd is saying, I've got to remove them. I've got to get them out of the way so the sheep can move into what I've designed them to do. And listen, that would be a really good question for you to sit with and ponder in God's presence this week. What is it that's keeping me? from God's rest. The question is not, how do I get rest in God? The question is, what is preventing me from finding my rest in God? Because if we can deal with those things that are the obstacles that are getting in the way, what will happen? Our lives will find its spiritual rhythm in God. And there is a spiritual rhythm. Just like our bodies have been created with a bio-rhythm, our spiritual lives have been created with rhythm. When we neglect our spiritual rhythm, when we neglect that normal process and ebb and flow of our relationship with God, what happens? Our hearts become restless. But we've been created for God. And so our hearts will always be restless until they find their rest in him. So there are at least four obstacles that need to be removed. For the shepherd to get the sheep to lie down, not in a forceful way, but in a faithful way, that the shepherd is, is, is being a faithful shepherd to carefully and lovingly cultivate a life that makes rest possible for the sheep. Well, to do that, there are at least four obstacles that have got to be removed. Here's the first one, hunger. Hunger. It's it's known that sheep will eat nearly anything, especially when they're hungry. So in the absence of a good pasture... Sheep will go to weeds. Sheep will go to briars and thistles. Sheep will begin to gnaw on anything to get its sustenance when it cannot find a place for eating well. So here's what's interesting. That the shepherd has got to cultivate a place where the sheep eat the right stuff. You see, sheep can eat anything, but not everything's good for sheep. So Paul used that wisdom when he said this. All things are lawful for us, but not all things are beneficial. All things are permissible, but not all things are good for us. We, we might lay claim to the fact, I can do anything because I'm free in Christ, but not all things are beneficial for us. Not all things are to our betterment. And like sheep, what our hearts do, what our lives do, is they always seek to be full. We don't like empty hearts. We don't like empty souls. And so what we will do like sheep is we will revert to things that are not good for us in order to fill ourselves when we don't find the proper sustenance, when we don't find it in God. So Psalm 23 is really all about the blessed life. It's all about the life that we get to live by being in relationship with a God who is an incredible caretaker, who deeply loves us. Well, Jesus, in his very first sermon that he ever spoke, that's recorded in Matthew chapter 5, also talks about the blessed life. And he talks about the blessed life of following the good shepherd, and in Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 here's what Jesus said, "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled." Listen, here's what I think Jesus was getting at with this statement. Your heart will be filled with whatever you hunger and thirst after. It doesn't make a difference what it is. Whatever it is that becomes our steady diet of the things that we desire and that we go after, those are the things that will ultimately fill us. But here's the question. Are they satisfying us? There's a big difference between being full and being satisfied. I know what it's like to fill up with junk food. I know what it feels like when you are full but you didn't eat the right stuff. I also know what it's like when you have a good, healthy, clean meal, and you feel like you ate really, really well, and you not only feel full, but you feel so deeply satisfied. And that's what Jesus was going after here. He's saying, listen, people in life are all going to get their fill of something. They're all going to get consumed by something, but here's the question, if Is it satisfying you? But if you hunger and thirst for God's righteousness, for justice, for the things that God cares about, you'll not only be filled, you'll be fulfilled. You will be fulfilled. Your heart and your mind will be completely satisfied. And that's why I love what Psalm 23 says. He makes us lie down where? In green pastures. That does not happen by accident. Green pastures are not accidentally created. They are cultivated by the careful skill and concern and governance of a responsible shepherd. Listen, it is not our responsibility to create the green pastures. It's the shepherds. Our responsibility is to trust him. To know that when we are being filled up with the things that matter most to God, when we are paying attention to the rhythms of our life that we need, just like we breathe in and breathe out, we have spiritual rhythms that we are paying attention to. What it does for us is it fulfills us. It satisfies us. It becomes the green pasture, not the barren land, where sheep are eating on weeds and anything it can find, but it's finding a green pasture. So the shepherd's first job is to remove hunger, to make sure that the sheep are fully satisfied. But there's a second obstacle that gets in the way of the sheep being made to lay down, to feeling such a deep level of trust in the shepherd. And here's the second obstacle, bugs. Bugs. So like all livestock, sheep attract bugs and not only do those bugs carry the risk of parasites and diseases but but listen to this the bugs disturb the rest of the sheep so if you've ever seen an animal that has been plagued by bugs it is not a pleasant sight when you ever watch an animal that's trying to rid itself of bugs, that animal is not relaxed. That animal's not at rest. That animal is stomping and, and, and moving its head constantly and shaking its body. Why? It's trying to free itself of the things that are getting in the way of that animal being at rest. So behind our home, we have a, a part of the Beaver Creek wetlands and Uh, Next to it, there's an area where you can walk. It's a meadow, part of the park system. And so my wife and I often go to the meadow, and we love to walk the meadow. The the only problem with the meadow is that it's filled with all sorts of bugs. It really doesn't matter what time of year we go. We have to pay attention to the bugs. If we go in the spring, we're going to usually get an infestation of deer ticks. So we get home and I go to the, to, to the deck before I go in the house, and I often have to debug myself, literally, because I've had ticks that actually have crawled on my body from that, that meadow. In the summertime, it's deer flies and horse flies and gnats. It doesn't matter when we walk in the summer months. In fact, we just last week were taking a walk in our community, and we decided to risk it. We said, let's go to the meadow. Let's just take a chance and walk. It was, it was evening. It was, it was kind of the, the sun was going down. We thought it might be the beautiful time. It'd be cooler temperatures, some relief from the heat. We did not get even a quarter of the way through the meadow when we turned and went the other direction. We were absolutely consumed with bugs and gnats, and so we constantly walked doing this. Have you ever done this, right? You're like, your body, you're flinging, Kelly gets a branch, she's doing this. I mean, we got all sorts of things. I mean, we probably look nuts when we're walking in the the meadow because we're bugged. And here's the question this morning. What bugs you? Now, I mean, what really bugs you in life? What just gets inside of your skin and just makes you crawl emotionally when it happens? You know, perhaps for you, it's, it's the neighbor that mows the crooked line in your yard, right? Maybe that's the one that bugs you. I mean, for you, it might be the semi-truck driver that's in the passing lane doing the same speed as the one in the adjoining lane that you can't get around. Anybody else bugged by that? That bugs me, right? It just does. I mean, what is it that bugs you? Here's another one for me. I'm just going to confess this this morning. I am bugged when I'm following somebody on a road or in a parking lot or driving into their driveway in our community, and they determine that they have to back into their driveway instead of pulling in straight, knowing there's cars behind them. I mean, I don't know about you. But backers bug me for some reason. It just, really? Do you really have to do that? I mean, here's the thing. All of us have things that bug us. And if we're not careful, what we do is we allow those things to actually rob us of rest. They can become so irritating that they can become spiritually debilitating. We can become so consumed about how bugged we are, and I used to really let those kind of things gnaw at me. And I've had to learn that even though they may still bother me, it is trusting in God. It is having confidence in the shepherd, knowing that he is the one that can come and what? Remove that emotional response. He can help me control that. By his spirit. So I love the language the scripture constantly uses of God. He is our guard. He is our shield. He is our defender. He's our protector. He's our fortress. He is our high tower, our strong tower. These are all symbols of the fact that God keeps us from being bugged. He actually is the one who will come to our defense and help us. So the shepherd. He's trying to remove the obstacle of hunger. He's trying to remove the obstacle of bugs. There's a third obstacle the shepherd has to address, and it's fear. It's fear. One of the most well-known facts about sheep is that sheep are easily spooked. Most people know it does not take very much to spook a flock of sheep I read of one author that said his entire flock was spooked by one jackrabbit it just took one that entered into the flock that caused the entire flock to scurry to run and to scatter now I think in life there are probably two things that that cause fear in our lives more than anything else the unknown and the unexpected. When we are blindsided by something that we simply couldn't prepare for, when we feel like we're stepping into a future that we do not know what tomorrow brings and tomorrow holds, it can create such a deep sense of fear inside of us. And here's the reality. You and I cannot be at peace as long as we're consumed with fear. So as I look back on my own life, here's what I've I've recognized. Some of the worst decisions that I've made in my life were made because of misplaced fear. Not substantiated fear. Not fear that could be proven. Some of the worst decisions I've made in my life, as I look back, is I recognize that I at times have allowed fear to cause me to do things, to think things, to say things that simply were not founded. I have a hunch that that's true of you as well. As you sit here this morning, as you scan over your own life, I think what you'll discover is that fear has probably created some of the worst decisions in your life. Because fear just has a way of doing that. And perhaps that's why Jesus constantly showed up to his disciples when they were afraid. But he often did not use the statement, do not fear. Rather, he used the statement, peace, be still. Why? Because fear will always rob your peace. Fear will will always move you out of a position of stillness, of quiet trust. And Jesus knew it. So Jesus often showed up to his disciples and he just simply said to them, when their hearts were ratcheted up with fear, he would just assure them by saying, peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Listen, there's a peace that we need in life that only the shepherd can give to us. We can't find it any other way. The world does not offer it to us, but our shepherd does. I love this verse in Timothy. First Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Aren't you glad for that? So what's it saying is, it's saying fear's not from God. This is not God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. And if we're consumed with fear, it's not from God. It's not his gift to us. But rather, he's given us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind. Now, it's an interesting word there, that those words sound mind, because it's translated different ways in different versions. Some say it's given us, giving us a, a sound judgment. Other translations say self Control. But one of the ideas of the sound mind in, in, in the Greek language is it means a relaxed mind. A mind that is steady and settled and even keel and made, then able to clearly think. So, what does a shepherd do? The shepherd comes and he recognizes places of fear in our lives. And the shepherd is going after those. Why? Because the shepherd says, I want to make sure that your heart is at rest and you have a sound mind, you are settled, and you are relaxed. Because guess what happens when you relax? You rest. How do, we, how do we enter in, how do we respond and accept the invitation of the shepherd into his rest? It comes by way of relaxing in him. And I think it's one of the reasons that Jesus said to us before he exited the earth, my peace I give you, my peace I leave you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then what does he say? I'm giving my spirit to you. The Holy Spirit is the abiding presence of God. Why is that important? Because nothing dispels the fear in the sheep like the presence of the shepherd. It is the nearness of the shepherd that lets the sheep know everything is going to be okay. I'm not alone. I've not been abandoned. I'm not forsaken. He's with me. Listen, you as a follower of Jesus have the abiding presence, the nearness of God in you not just around you. He's not just contained by these four walls of of a church. No. You are the church. He dwells inside of you and inside of me. What does that mean? That means whatever ratchets up fear in our lives, we can have assurance that God the shepherd hasn't left us. And, and, And the awareness of his nearness is what helps us to face the fear of the unknown and the unexpected. Because we can know that, We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but guess what? God's already been to my tomorrow. So I don't have to worry. I don't have to wonder. I don't have to fear. If God be for me, who can be against me? What can be against me? God's for me. God's with me. God's near. And there's one final obstacle. It's one, thankfully, that we don't experience here at Grace Crossing Church. The Bible says that it's the Holy Spirit that gives us unity and the bond of peace but what the Bible says is that we maintain the unity and the bond of peace and God's given us the grace to be able to do that well at Grace Crossing Church the final obstacle to the peace and the rest of the sheep is discord discord so it's interesting sheep like us, are very competitive. And sheep are also very suspicious of other sheep. They may trust the shepherd, but they're not so sure about their neighbor. They don't really know what to think about the other one. Now, now here's what happens, here's what happens when you become suspicious. The higher your suspicion rises, the lower your trust is. And the opposite happens. The higher your trust level, the lower suspicion of others. If you have a problem with trust in your marriage, there's probably a high level of suspicion about your spouse. Do they love me? Do they care? Are they faithful? Do they mean the words that they said in their vow? Listen, what creates a lack of trust? Suspicion. And the shepherd knows that the natural inclination of the sheep is to butt heads to kind of fight for position, to be the top sheep in the fold. That's what they do. So in the animal kingdom, there's, a, there's, a, there's terms for this. Among chickens, it's called the pecking order. Among cattle, it's called the horning order. Among sheep, the budding order. The budding order. It is maneuvering, And jockeying and trying to intimidate the other sheep so that you can get the advantage of the best pasture. You try to actually use size and strength to keep other sheep relegated to the worst pasture so you can get the best. They're very selfish, very self centered. So Ezekiel, back to chapter 34, verses 18 and 19, give us this picture. It says, is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Must you also trample the rest of your pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Must my flock feed on what you have trampled and drink what you have muddied with your feet? The word picture there is clear. There are sheep that are vying for a position. And sometimes they'll become so angry, they'll stampede the the very pasture they need to feed on. And they'll muddy the good drinking water just to keep others, to let them know who the top sheep is. Now, this is not uncommon in the body of Christ. The New Testament actually deals with it. In the letters of the New Testament, they're often talking about this competitiveness, this contention for position. The striving to be the domineering one, to have the top place of honor among the sheep. John, in his third letter, writes this about a man by the name of Diotrephes. He said, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes will not welcome us. He loves to be first in everything. He loves to be the top sheep. He loves to dominate and and cause fear and intimidation by his size and his strength. James, the half-brother of Jesus, writes these really insightful words in in the book of James, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. What is causing the quarrels and fights among us? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. You ruin the pasture, and you pollute the water and muddy it by your own feet when you do that. God giving us clear wisdom here. The wisdom is the wars we fight are not out there. They are in here. These are battles that wage inside of us. Any sheep that is contending for position has a problem and an issue in themselves of insecurity and lack of confidence in the shepherd. Listen, as long as you and I are concentrating on other sheep, we are not cooperating with the good shepherd. We can't. And so, what does the shepherd's presence do? The shepherd's presence deals with the discord. The shepherd's presence makes sure that the inner fighting is removed so that the sheep can relax, they can enjoy. All of the good rest of the shepherd that he's worked so hard to provide, but he sees sheep that are that are contending with one another, and he's got to sometimes remove them and say, Listen, until you can behave, you've got to be outside of the fold. You simply cannot exist here with the attitude you have. It's not possible. But nothing removes the discord like the presence of a good shepherd. So let me leave you with this final picture from Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 20 and 21. This is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. In other words, the ones who are getting all of the good nutrients, the ones who are being deprived. Because you shove with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns, until you have driven them away, I will save my flock, and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. What's the picture here that God is giving Ezekiel? He's giving him a picture of a fold of sheep who have been so bullied, who have been so attacked by the world, who have been so misaligned and mischaracterized, who have lost their confidence in being in a good pasture. That the shepherd says, I'm coming after you. I'm going to find you. I know who you are broken and wounded and hurting. I know what's caused your wounds. And I'm going to get you, and I'm going to bring you to a safe place, to my fold with my flock, where you are tended and cared for and loved, and you are given a place where you can finally, once and for all, be at home, because I've made you for me. And your heart remains restless until it finds your rest in me. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Thanks for listening.